2020 was a rough year for many, including the NIU football team. The Huskies took their lumps as a young squad to an 0-6 COVID-19 shortened season, their first season without a win, since 1997. But just like how 2021 is a year of optimism for many, so it is too for Thomas Hammock, who looks to replace the memories of a 5-13 start over two years with success. To start a new NIU plays Saturday in Atlanta against another team looking to wipe the memory of 2020, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Hi everyone, I'm Northern Star sports reporter James Krause, and you're listening to the Red Black Football Podcast. Today we'll be discussing some of the new additions to the NIU roster. We're going to be joined by redshirt freshman defensive tackle James Esther to discuss the offseason, and Will Fuss from the Technique uh, will be joining me to preview the game this Saturday at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Quite a trial by fire for a lot of players. After last year playing in front of no fans... They're going to hop into a stadium that might be filled to capacity with 55,000 in Atlanta. Where do you start talking about the 2020 offseason? Well, at the end of 2020, NIU finished 0-6. But on the bright side, the Huskies played the entire schedule without a positive COVID test, according to the athletic department. And the freshmen that made up 72% of the roster got essentially a free year thanks to eligibility changes from the NCAA. In search of leadership, however, Thomas Hammock once again turned to the transfer portal and loaded up on talent and experience, namely Michigan State junior quarterback Rocky Lombardi and Western Illinois graduate student running back Clint Ratkovich. First, there's Rocky Lombardi, who, despite playing at a Big Ten level, did not put up stellar stats during his 22 games starting for the Spartans. 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and a 47.9 completion percentage for Rocky Lombardi. While the stat line isn't great, there is one thing that over the offseason he has shown to do considerably better than the previous Power 5 pickup for the Huskies at quarterback Ross Bowers. He's able to move the pocket when called upon, and, as opposed to Bowers, is not afraid to put his body out there on the line and potentially make a big play with his body. The major thing that Lombardi has done this offseason is take on a leadership role. When asked why he wanted to join NIU, Lombardi said, quote, I watched them on film and I felt like these guys wanted to win. I wanted to be at a place where I could change the program on and off the field. He is most likely going to be the starter come Saturday in Atlanta. The question is who his backup will be. Will it be the true freshman Ethan Hampton, who got an extra semesters of work in with early enrollment and is looking to pay that off with a lot of success? Or will it be Dustin Fletcher, who was used to some success last season as a sort of option selection at quarterback? While Lombardi is probably going to be propelled directly into a starting role, that's not the case for Clint Rakovich. The player from the Missouri Valley Conference that was named a two-time all-conference first-team running back is actually more of a receiver than running back. He's a versatile piece. Earlier in the spring, he was referred to as a chess piece for this offense by Thomas Hammock. He is going to be someone that is going to line up all over the field, not just in the backfield. Part of the reason he may not get to see a lot of the backfield is because there's a lot of depth in the backfield. Harrison Whaley, of course, returning after being the leading rusher last season. Aaron Collins is coming back. And returning from injury is the true freshman Jay Ducker, 
uh, receiving another freshman season due to COVID. Individually, I want to be the best all-around player in the MAC. Rakovic said earlier this year at Mid-American Conference Media Day, it's tough to do a lot of things well, but it's really tough to do a lot of things great. It's one thing to play all these positions and be mediocre, but that doesn't help the team. So already driven to make a big impact in his jump to the FBS level is Clint Rakovic. On Tuesday at his first weekly press conference of the year, Thomas Hammock talked about the conditioning that he tried to focus on in the offseason to help sort of break the mold for these freshmen. 87 on his team again this year after having 72% of the roster made up of freshmen last year. He wanted the conditioning style to be, quote, old school, Joe Novak style, and to make it so that nothing comes as a surprise to them later on in the year. Retro junior wide receiver Colt Tucker talked about a leap in maturity he's seen over the offseason. Quote, the biggest jump I've seen is how mature they've gotten. Obviously, last year was an awkward year with maturity. They've learned to not focus on outside matters and focus on themselves and perfecting their craft. Maturity is going to be needed in the linebacker core from these freshmen, as one of their senior leaders will be out for the season. Kyle Pugh misses his second season in a row due to an injury he sustained in the offseason that required surgery. That was confirmed by Thomas Hammock at NIU Media Day on August 9th. Pugh will miss his second season in a row after Lance DeVoe missed 2019. So that's three seasons in a row that the Huskies will be missing major pieces at linebacker. Now the question remains, who will fill the slot for Pew? Well, it's going to take a lot of effort from the entire defense. Devin Lafayette, a defensive back for the team, said that there has been more physicality this offseason. So it wouldn't be a shock to see an overall better defense uh, this upcoming season. The question is, who will fill Pew's spot? And that person may be Jaden Dolphin, who made the jump from safety to linebacker, the COVID freshman from Des Plaines, Illinois. It could also be Eddie Jackson, the COVID freshman from Miami, Florida, who got playing time last year. Uh, of course, Lance DeVoe Jr. will be playing this year, and presumably we could see uh, the only non-freshman uh, linebacker, Nick Rattine, starting as well. Speaking of the defense... We talked to, as we mentioned, James Esther, the redshirt freshman defensive tackle. He talked about what Lafayette mentioned about the physicality, and he also talks a little bit about what NIU is looking for this weekend when they face Georgia Tech. And that interview is next. Joining me now on the podcast, redshirt freshman defensive tackle, James Esther. James, how are you doing? Doing good. Great to be here. First off, happy belated birthday. I saw yesterday yeah. was your birthday. Yeah. Did you, you. Were you able to go out and do any celebrating or anything like that? Or? Uh, yeah, my family ended up coming in from Michigan. We went out to uh, Los Panchos, this little Mexican restaurant. It was really good. Oh, cool. Uh, earlier this offseason, Devin Lafayette, I talked to him, and he said the intensity was up the physicality was up on this defense. Yeah. Uh, you've been here a, f a few years now. How would you compare this offseason 
in those departments to previous ones? I think it's definitely been a, I, I would agree with everything that Devin said. I mean, guys are just coming out and they want to work. They want to go to work, and the coaches are going to keep pushing the physicality stand from uh, from their standpoint. I think it's just going to be a physically imposing team as a unit. Do you think uh, there's going to be any massive shift on the defense from this year to last in terms of how you guys scheme things out? Uh, I don't think there's going to be a, a huge scheme change. I think it's just you're just going to see guys playing much better. much, and You're going to see a maturity difference. That's going to be the biggest thing. I don't think scheme-wise we're going to change up a whole lot. You mentioned maturity. It's weird for me to say because my first year covering the team – he was the young, you know, freshman of the group. Yeah. But Michael Kennedy is now the veteran of it. Seems like the starting defensive line. Yeah. Uh, was he done to improve this year? And and what type of a leader is he to you guys in in the defensive line room? I think everything from Mike is just from a mental standpoint. He just needed to get the scheme together and everything in his head. And now that he's got that, he's fully has a grasp on everything as far as the scheme. He's very confident. And he's always had the athletic talents and everything to be a great player. It's just being able to take the coaching and just become a much better player mentally. It was kind of talked about in the press conference how you guys are probably getting sick of facing up with the same offense every <laughs> every practice, yeah. but no one knows this offense better than you guys right now. Right. What do you think about this offense is, is the toughest thing to about facing this offense, and how do you think it's going to translate to games like Saturday? Uh, I think the toughest part about our offense is that our offensive line, these guys are physical and they're tough and they move quickly. And then you got Rocky behind them, and when he has a good pocket, he's going he's gonna to make the right read, he's going to make the right throw, and he can move too. So just the offensive line and the quarterback are a very tough unit to work with. That paired up with the receiving core that we already have, which we know is talented. It's, I think just the whole 11 is going <laughs> gonna, gonna to be a tough task for anybody in the country to stop. You mentioned quarterbacks that can move. You guys are facing a uh, quarterback in Jeff Sims, a, a pretty good dual-threat quarterback. For sure, yeah. You kind of talked about in the press conference, what, what's the main priority for you guys on the defensive line when you are facing a guy like that that can throw it and pass it? Uh, yeah, just like I said earlier, the main thing for us is just shutting that run game down and having him throw the ball. If, if we can make him throw the ball, then we've, we're very confident that our DBs on the back end are going to be able to handle all the route concepts and handle his – throwing ability so just making him run and uh, stuffing it that's the biggest thing lastly any first game of the season is going to have a lot of excitement about it but it's the first game back after last year where you didn't really have any fans in the stand and now you're going to go into a stadium that might have you know somewhere close to 50,000 people in it how excited are you are you guys on the defensive side for that sort of uh, get back game uh, it's, it's definitely big, especially for a lot of, I mean, we say that we've matured a lot, but a lot of these guys have still only played six games, and about only three of them had fans at them, and it's not like it was a significant amount. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be huge for everybody just to come out there and be able to see that type of atmosphere. All right. Thank you very much, James. Appreciate it. No problem. That was redshirt freshman defensive tackle James Esther. We appreciate him joining the program and giving us an in-depth look into what NIU is going to try and do this Saturday with Jeff Sims, who started as a true freshman last year. The biggest priority is making Sims win the game with his arm. That was Esther at NIU's weekly press conference. We're going to stop the run. That's going to be a major priority for us. They have a deep running back room and a talented quarterback. We're just going to stop the run, make them throw the ball, and see what he does. It's a big ask to not only stop 
Jeff Sims, but they're also, like he mentioned, going against very strong running backs led by another player who has started as a true freshman last season. Uh, that's Jamari Gibbs. We talk about Gibbs, Sims, head coach Jeff Collins, and a lot more in the first of what we hope to be a recurring segment where we bring on reporters from around the country, our first guest this season. From Georgia Tech's The Technique, sport reporter Will Fuss is up next. Joining me now is Will Fuss, the sports editor of The Technique at Georgia Tech. You can follow him on Twitter at Philwuss, F-I-L-L-W-U-S-S, and you can check out his stories at neek.net. That's N-I-Q-U-E.net. Will, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, howdy. Good to be here. So, Will, one of the first things I wanted to ask about from reading about this Georgia Tech team uh, and, and watching them a little bit over the past few years, Jeff Collins has seemed to take everything that people might identify Georgia Tech with over the past decade, Paul Johnson and that, that triple option, and sort of thrown out the, the playbooks, so to speak, on, on what Georgia Tech has been. What do you think the culture around Georgia Tech is like now entering year three under Collins? Right. I mean, CPJ, I grew up a Tech fan, and Paul Johnson was uh, – you know, he, he was, he was maybe a little old fashioned and it's, you know, I, the, the triple option growing up was a lot of, uh, you know, boomer bust, you know, three yards here, three yards here. And then maybe we rip off one for 17. Um, and, you know, Collins came in and just completely, he, he put in, I mean, NFL, NFL style offense, NFL style defense, or I get, yeah, pro style. It, it was, it's clearly been a little bit of a transition period, you know, six wins over the first couple of years, isn't, I think what everyone hoped, but also, I mean, if you're going from an incredibly, you know, almost run only scheme, um, to a, you know, one of the more pass heavy schemes, you know, I guess second to air raid, probably the pass heaviest, uh, scheme it's, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna take some time, especially cause he was, you know, he had to bring in his own recruits. Um, but it's been fun to see, it's been fun to see them throw the ball, quite frankly. It's not like the run game has been completely lacking. And I mean, outside of the system too, um, I don't know how, how closely you followed Collins, but he's, you know, he's a bit of a younger coach. And, um, you know, Atlanta's, Atlanta's a big city. It's, it's a really vibrant city. And he's done a really good job of connecting the team to the city. He's got all the 404, the culture branding. Um, he's really, really big on trying to connect uh, the team to the city. And, uh, uh, you know, Waffle House is a brand that started here. And Collins kind of always like seen with his Waffle House cup. I know uh, that's kind of what he's known for a lot. And it's kind of like a running joke around campus that you'll, uh, you'll see him with that. And uh, he's done a really cool job getting the players recognized on and off the field um if you look like on the georgia tech team website i think it's ramblingrec.com uh like all of the player bios will have like their twitter and their instagram um linked to it so you can you know follow them interact with them and kind of like engage with the players and have them be uh outward facing and recognize a lot more than they might be um under uh or definitely a lot more than they would than, than they were under uh, paul johnson you mentioned the the passing game. Jeff Sims, uh, the quarterback for the Yellow Jackets, was really hit or miss last season. As a true freshman, he had an even 13 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. And at the same time, he has some qualities that make him pretty dangerous when he carries the ball. What area do you think he's going to have to show the most improvement on uh, heading into his first full season of play? Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he had the he had the the freshman shakes. Um, you know, it, 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 it took him a little bit to get his feet under him. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, like you're saying, he was, he was a top dual threat recruit. So uh, he's, you know, he's, he's shown that he can run the ball and I mean, he can definitely sling it. Um, he, he's going to need to work on his accuracy. I mean, first and foremost, he had a lot of games where, you know, completion percentages down. And uh, I mean, some of his picks were, were poor decisions or, you know, a couple of deflections, but it's yeah, a few of them were just, just errant passes, passes that missed the mark. Um, and uh, you know, obviously decision-making will come with, another year of experience and a whole off season uh, to work with Collins and work with his system. But I mean, definitely the biggest things are going to be, you know, putting, putting the ball, putting the ball where it needs to be um, and getting confident too. I mean, he, you know, he threw 13 picks. That's a decent amount, but I mean, I'm, I'm more concerned with, uh, you know, 13 touchdowns. I feel like he's, you know, we, we have some good receivers. Um, you know, Jalen camp got drafted in the sixth round of the Jaguars last year. Um, we have, we have some good ones this year. Uh, Ezra Nadonica Sanders, uh, and a couple other ones who, uh, who he can, he can, you know, he has targets uh, Dylan Devaney's our top tight end. He was solid last year. He has targets and especially with more familiarity under the, uh, under the Collins system. Um, I think he's, he's got the chance to find the end zone more uh, through the air um, and not, uh, not just on the ground. Along with uh, Sims, the L jackets uh, have uh, Jamari Gibbs, a running back who averaged 5.2 yards a carry last season he probably would have led the team in rushing if it weren't for an injury. Uh, Sims got that honor with uh, 492 yards and six touchdowns. With athletes like Sims and Gibbs, you mentioned sort of now Georgia Tech is sort of starting to become more of a recruiting power under Collins. They're able to get some of those guys out of the SEC uh, and onto uh, the field at Bobby Dodd. What was the big issue for this offense last year that needs to be addressed first and foremost? Well, again, part of it's probably youth. Um, I mean, our, our two stars were Sims and until he went down with his injury, Gibbs, and they were both true freshmen. I mean, like you were saying, 5.2 yards per carry. Gibbs is an incredibly efficient player. Um, I've seen a few sources tab him as like preseason uh, first team all ACC. Um, and he is he's a good pass catching back too, which I think uh, that was – um, maybe even a little bit underrated about his game. Um, in, in the Duke game, he only played like the first two quarter parts of the first two quarters, and he had 140 yards and two touchdowns before he got injured. Having a whole offseason and the, you know, end of season working with his wide receivers will make the, the passing game have some chemistry. And, uh, you know, Sims being able to, you know, have the, the decision-making skills to, you know, know when to run and really use his, his, his mobility well will help a lot and it should be able to explain, expand the playbook. Some, uh, you know, an NFL style uh, or pro style offense is not going to be the most rudimentary playbook. You know, the, the, the triple options one where a lot of times you can, you know, you have to make the read, but you can know what play is going to be called. There's going to be a lot more going on uh, in, an NFL, in, a, in a pro style playbook where expanding the playbook can help uh, keep defenses on their toes, you know, throwing some play action in there, uh, burying, what we can do with the football can just, I mean, just expanding the dimensions of the offense makes it so that, you know, the defense can't predict what's going to happen every time. Do you think that experience factor is going to be less apparent this year? Cause I, I know a big issue for them last year, at least on the offensive line, I think they had 26 false starts over the course of the season. Do you think uh, having that last year under their belt uh, is going to help them kind of bring that number down? It'll definitely help in some ways. I mean, so we have a couple of grad transfers coming in too, which is big. Ryan Johnson and uh, Devin Cochran are both a couple of grad transfers coming in who, I mean, a, a little bit of the problem too is we didn't have a ton of mass 
on the front end. But I mean, yeah, definitely, you know, guys who've had that much experience, um, you know, up to up to four or five years um, are going to, you know, commit a lot fewer penalties and be able to, you know, protect the quarterback and give him time to make his reads. And it's a heck of a lot easier to play when you're not behind the chains. There's a chance that we'll have some young guys starting, but definitely the, the, the veteran leadership of having, of having some grad transfers, having some guys who've you know, been around the block uh, should kind of you know, help settle the nerves and then keep the line starting when they're supposed to. For the issues the offense had, I feel like when I watch on tape this defense, it's sort of the same story. They were ranked 109th last year in most points allowed, and that's partially due to a 73-point day against Clemson, which I feel like Clemson can do that against anyone. But you watch them on tape, and they seem to be rushing a lot of guys at the quarterback. There weren't many plays where they weren't rushing at least four or five guys uh, to the quarterback, at least when I watched on tape. They could even throw six or seven at them. Do you see them going away from that this year, given last year's result, or do you see more of the same? I think, I mean, especially if, if last year we were giving up that many points, rushing that much, it's going to it would just make sense to change it. And I think there's going to be improvement, especially on the defensive line. Uh, that was probably our defense's biggest, uh, our biggest hole last year. We have some good, um, some good defensive backs. Trey Swilling is, is good at what he does. Um, we have a solid, like we have a solid linebacking core. Quez Jackson was, uh, was more than respectable for us last year. And Tariq Carpenter at strong safety, as well as Juanita Thomas at free safety, definitely uh, can shore up the back end. And so we have uh, Dominic Jordan and Jaquan Griffin were both respectable uh, last year and definitely look to make a jump. We have, we have a pretty good continuity there too, which is the big thing, which, I mean, I guess if you have continuity for uh, a line that wasn't stellar, then, uh, you know, you, you definitely just want to look for direct improvement, but it's, they'll, they'll need to step up. Um, but I think the, we, we had a solid pressure rate. It's just, we all, we, we did, we also played a lot of quarterbacks who were good uh, under pressure. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter how many people you send to Trevor Lawrence. That's, you know, why he went first overall. It's, I think it'll help if we can, I mean, it'll definitely help too, if we can just rush, you know, just rush the guys in the trenches and let the linebackers, you know, back the line instead of rush the quarterback. Um, Cause it, it was what, 36 points per game or something last year. It was, it was too many, and uh, I think having a little more balance this year with with returning the uh, a lot of the starters um, uh, on the front seven uh, will help a lot. You guys also added. I saw Kevin Harris, uh, four star recruit, joined from the transfer portal from Alabama. Could you talk about him a little bit and and what he might bring to that D line? Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you get a kid from Alabama, uh, that's that's going to be a boon to your program. Obviously, they recruited him for a reason. You know, again, he was it was a, a four star for a reason. Um, it'll help that he's pretty young. I believe he's like a redshirt freshman, or maybe a, like the extra year of COVID eligibility. I mean, he's really young, and so he has time where we have um, a little bit more experience on the defensive line now to to learn the system and kind of get slotted in where he needs to. I don't know if he'll be kind of a like every situation defensive lineman to start, but it's it's a big boon to have, especially for. Uh, for future seasons or if, or if the, if the guys up front are struggling, he's, I mean, you know, he's an elite talent that we can plug in and, you know, hopefully have him get to the quarterback or stuff the run some. The game is scheduled 6:30 central time, 7:30 Eastern. The odds makers uh, as of this recording seem to all have tech as the 17.5 point favorite uh, with the over under varying sort of between 57 and 58 points. When I look at this game on paper, well, 
the Yellow Jackets no doubt have the talent advantage, but it's those things we mentioned last year of Sims maybe having some uh, accuracy issues or maybe some penalties uh, with the offensive line where the Yellow Jackets can be forced into mistakes. The question is, can NIU force those mistakes and then can they capitalize on it, which is a big question mark for NIU because I don't know if that's something they did particularly well last year. When you look at this game, what are the things that stand out to you uh, in terms of expectations? I'm projecting, I'm thinking a win, but, you know, as a fan that, uh, a fan and a writer, of course, but, you know, as a fan, that's, that's obviously what I want. I mean, and I know, and I know NIU had a rough season last year, um, which uh, gives me some hope uh, for the start of our season. Um, Yeah. I mean, you're right about the, we, we made a lot of mistakes the last couple of years, um, but especially last season, I, you know, I want to put a lot on that on youth optimistically, you know, like we talked about, especially on the offensive line, we have the guys coming in who can cut down on that a lot. You know, we won't have to play behind the chains because of, uh, um, you know, holding calls and false start calls. Last year, we committed a lot of turnovers, but we forced a lot as well. Especially, we, we, we didn't, uh, we, we, I think we only picked the ball off six times. We forced a fair amount of uh, fumbles. And I think for a, with, with the talent discrepancy, like we were talking about, there's a chance for us to force some turnovers and get some short fields to nullify um, a lot of the mistakes that we would potentially make. Um, but I think uh, would be a lot more short up than, you know, to start last year. Two really young teams, two pretty similar results last year. Uh, it'll be an interesting game to see this Saturday. You can catch that on the ACC Network. Uh, Will, thank you again so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. That's Will Fuss again from The Technique on the campus of Georgia Tech. We appreciate him for giving his insight, and we encourage you to check out some of the reporting at, again, that's neek.net uh, for more on Georgia Tech football. So we've talked about all of the freshman experience now on both sides, but because there's so many freshmen on both sides, that means there's not a lot of room for seniors. Here's a stat. Georgia Tech has only 13 seniors in their program niu has fewer seven seniors are on this roster for niu as of uh the recently released ones on tuesday there's only one team in the country with fewer seniors in their program and that is another pac-12 team like oregon was last year having so many freshmen it's colorado that has only six seniors in their program real quick before we wrap up the show here's some news from around college football this is the three and out first niu georgia tech may have some competition for the biggest game in town on saturday two miles away and three hours prior to kickoff at bobby dodd stadium mercedes-benz stadium will host the number one ranked alabama crimson tide facing the number 14th ranked miami hurricanes in a neutral site game that's on ABC. Oh, and the Georgia Bulldogs? They only happen to play the number three team in the country, the Clemson Tigers, in South Carolina on ABC in primetime. Second, an early season upset may be popping up in another Mid-American Conference and ACC matchup. The Ohio Bobcats of the MAC are one and a half point underdogs to the Syracuse Oranges in the first game under new Bobcats head coach Tim Albin and sophomore quarterback Curtis Ford. 
Kickoff for that game is scheduled for 7 p.m. and can be seen live on CBS Sports Network. And finally, just months after playing his final game at North Dakota State, Zeb Nolan will be the starting quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks on Saturday when they play Eastern Illinois. Noland originally joined the Gamecocks as a graduate assistant and member of the coaching staff under Shane Beamer, but an injury to projected starter Luke Dottie thrust Noland back onto the field. Believe it or not, this Saturday will mark the first time in NIU's history that they have both played in the state of Georgia and faced a team from the state of Georgia. Coincidentally, it is also the homecoming for six Georgia-based players who all make their hometown in the Peach State. Ray Charles had that old song, Georgia, on my mind. Well, NIU's had Georgia Tech on their mind ever since getting off the field at Eastern Michigan. Thinking about the next opportunity, they have to get a win. Saturday, it arrives. And when that game ends, we'll have the recap and more here on the next edition of the Red Black Football Podcast. Goodbye.